as an author, as a writer, you are a glory character. All right, so get this vision of yourself as a writer, as a pen in the hand of God. You carry like Mary, as Pastor Brian often says, you carry like Mary the Christ of God. God is filling the earth with his glory and he is doing it through his anointed messengers. That's you, that's me. So your mission as his anointed messenger, should you choose to accept it, (laughs) is to reveal his glory in the earth. So what is God's glory? You know, that is a word that we we hear often in Christendom. Um, In Exodus, when, when Moses cried out to God and said, show me your glory, the Bible says that God caused all of his goodness to pass before Moses. So God's glory is his goodness. God's glory is his love. It's his nature. It's Christ-likeness. So you carry his goodness and reveal his nature to the world. And you're going to do that also as a writer for him. You carry God's love. Therefore, according to 1 Corinthians 13, that means you carry God's patience. You carry God's kindness. You carry God's humility, his selflessness, his forgiving nature, his hope, his faithfulness, his unoffendableness. You carry God's nature, his goodness, his glory, and your book will carry and reveal God's goodness to the world. He wants to get the message of who he really is out into the world, and he wants to do it through you and through your writing. You know, um, I love Song of Songs, and it's actually uh, my favorite book in the Bible. And at the very beginning of the story of the Shulamite maiden and, uh, and her uh, beginning of her journey in her relationship with the king, she cries out for a kiss. She famously cries for a kiss. She's just so done right with religion. She's just so done with working and striving, but feeling empty and dry. And she doesn't know what she needs, but she knows it must somehow be in his kiss. So she cries to him for a kiss. And uh, then immediately she goes into kind of, um, you know, all of her excuses of why he shouldn't want to kiss her. You know, (laughs) she describes herself the way that she sees herself, the way that she feels about herself. And she says, I'm dark. I'm simple. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovely. I'm dry. I'm a, I'm a wandering nomad. I'm stuck in this twilight darkness between the world and really living for God. And that's how she sees herself. But the Lord comes and he speaks to her his truth. He speaks his truth over her, which is, yet you are so lovely. You are so lovely. In fact, he says it to her three times, I believe, in that first chapter. And then he says, he just kind of, in my interpretation of the narrative, he just interrupts and he says, let me tell you how I see you. So today, let's let the Lord tell us how he sees us. Actually, every day for the rest of our lives, let's let's let Jesus tell us how he sees us. But he then gives her a description. He says, let me tell you how I see you. And he says, you are a strong regal steed, like one of Pharaoh's finest horses pulling the chariot of the king. Wow, that's not very uh, beautiful or poetic. Doesn't sound like any love song I've ever heard. What about you guys? (laughs) So 
uh, obviously this is symbolic language and it's very powerful symbolic language. He doesn't give her a physical kiss, does he? He speaks to her. He tells her how he sees her. That's his kiss. So we need that, that same kiss. And so let's look into just a little bit of the symbolism of what these kisses mean for her and mean for us. And then we're also going to look at uh, some symbolism in the life of John the Baptist and how uh, his life also tells us that as a messenger of the Lord as he was, we carry God's glory. All right. So what does it mean to be a regal steed, like one of Pharaoh's finest horses? I'm not going to go too deep into this, but it means, uh, he says, you are a strong regal steed. So just for a second, you know, imagine the king of the universe calling you strong. Jesus sees you as strong, right? So, you know, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Just say that wherever you are in, in your heart, in your life, in your day, in your writing journey. Say what Jesus says about you. Say, I am strong. You know, the truth is there's nothing you can't do without Jesus. <laughs> and if you could do it without him, maybe it's not worth doing, right? But he says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are strong, and we need to have that identity, right? Uh, he infuses our weaknesses with his strength, so everything we need, he provides for us, so we're strong in him. We're regal. That means we're royalty. Yes, we need to live from that place of our identity, of knowing we are sons and daughters of the king. We're not paupers. We're not beggars. We're not sinners. We're royalty, and we're like one of Pharaoh's finest horses. What in the world? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, to me, that speaks of, um, it's like a, a, a way of saying, of Jesus saying, you're the cream of the crop, right? Which horses would Pharaoh choose to pull his chariot? He's going to search the entire kingdom, the entire world, right? The Pharaoh was the king of the world at that time. And he's going to pick out of all the horses in the world, the choicest, the strongest, the most beautiful, the swiftest. He's going to choose the very best of the best. And that is how Jesus sees you, messengers. He sees you as his finest. He sees you as strong, royal, swift. Uh, expensive or um, um, costly. Uh, you're the best of the best in his eyes. As Pastor Brian said uh, on Monday, you know, you are unique and you are special and you are chosen and you are favored. That's how the Lord sees you. And then lastly, he says, like Pharaoh's finest horses pulling the chariot of the king. So you've been chosen to pull the chariot of the king. So obviously the symbolism there is that as God's messengers, as his people, we carry his movement in the earth. We bring the move of God. We pull the chariot of the king. Wow. We bring his glory. How, where's God's glory in the earth? It's in his people, right? It's in you. It's in me. And he wants to reveal his glory through you and through your writing. He wants your book to pull his chariot into the lives of people. Wow. All right. That's powerful. 
So just as Elijah was carried away by a chariot of fire in 2 Kings 2.11, and Ezekiel envisioned God's throne moving on wheels within wheels in Ezekiel 1 and 10, the bride of Christ, you and me, we pull the chariot of God in the earth realm. We bring his presence. We bring his fire. We bring his glory onto the scene. Wherever we go, we bring Jesus. Wherever you go, you bring Jesus. Wherever your book is going to be bought and opened, Jesus is going to be revealed. We bring the move of God. All right. So next, let's look at the life of John the Baptist. He's a messenger. He's the messenger of the Lord prophesied by Malachi, who will come in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord. Right. God's doing that in our day. Right. We are also messengers who prepare the way and point the way. Like John, we proclaim not ourselves, but we proclaim he's the one set your heart on him. So we can receive insight into our messenger life from the life of John the Baptist. And so we're going to look specifically at, you know, John, he was a very unique uh, person in the Bible and uh, no one like him, right? <laughs> and um, remarkable. And one of the things that is remarkable about him is his clothing. So we're going to look at the symbolism just for a few minutes of the clothing of John the Baptist. Do you guys know this story? It says in Matthew 3, 4, now, John wore clothing made from camel's hair, tied at his waist with a leather strap. So we're going to look at those two items, his clothing of camel hair and his belt of leather. So uh, have you ever thought about the fact that we don't get a description of Abraham's attire, Moses's attire, Peter, Paul, James, uh, James John the Beloved, any of their attire, but God makes a point of including this description of John the Baptist's clothing. He also tells us all about his strange eating habits, <laughs> but um, that's for another day. But anyway, so if God tells us about it, then we want to stop and ponder it, right? So let's do that. All right, so first let's start with his waist is tied with a leather strap. So again, this is symbolic for us. We're the messenger of the Lord. How is your waist meant to be tied with a leather strap? Okay, so we probably all heard the phrase, gird up your loins. This is the same as telling someone to put on a belt. It means get ready for battle, get ready to work hard, get prepared. You can't have your clothes flopping all around and getting in the way. You need to be ready to move and, and maneuver at a moment's notice. You need to be ready. So this describes John, and it also describes the life of every messenger of God. So let's di dissect this picture just a little bit. All right, so it says that this belt was tied. So you and I are meant to be completely secured, right? We're meant to be tied up in our identity in Christ. We're never going to have uh, everything right. We're never going to have it all together this side of heaven, but in Christ, we are secured. In Christ, we do have it all together. We really do. We already have the clothes. We've got the robe of righteousness, and we just need to be secure in it. We need to be tied up in it. Our identity is eternally settled in Jesus, and we can live in that confident boldness, knowing we are who he says we are, and we can do what he says we can do. That's a mouthful right there. Do you guys ever feel completely inept? Do you ever feel completely unequal to the task to which God's called you? I do. 
if I were to be totally honest, I feel that way right now. <laughs> and sometimes uh, things that I write about, um, I, I don't feel adequate to write about it. And in, just recently I had this experience, I was finishing the last chapter of the book I've, I have been working on called At the Table with Jesus. And um, I had gotten uh, 45,000 words in and I thought, oh Lord, this is good enough. <laughs> but in my outline, I had one more chapter planned and it was on the love feasts of the New Testament. And I knew I was going to have to really dig deep into the topic of the Lord's Supper. And, um, and as a teacher, it just felt huge. And I just, I honestly just didn't want to do it. And, um, but the Lord dealt with me and, you know, said, Hey, are you really going to write a book about my table and not talk about love feasts and the communion uh, of the saints? And so I said, yes, Lord. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I took up my pen figuratively and, and sat down and did that. And you know, it ended up being my favorite chapter in the book. I got so much um, revelation from the Lord as I was writing that, writing that chapter. And I felt like it shifted my heart in a, a really profound way. And so I'm so glad that I didn't back away from that um, that call to write that particular chapter. And so I just share that to say, um, you know, are any of us equal to the task? <laughs> um, I don't think so. Uh, we're only equal to it because of Jesus. And so we just need to trust in him, take his hand and launch out into the deep, so to speak, and write what he's called us to write, say what he's called us to say, do what he's called us to do because we're tied up right securely in him and that leather strap on john the baptist was tied at the waist all right so figuratively the waist is the seat of generative power the power to reproduce so this speaks of your future and your legacy